Fucking hell, hello my friends out there on the internet. How you doing? Good, I would hope. I'm doing pretty well. I have been going through some intense psychological changes these last couple weeks, as I think you've all been picking up on. I... I'm gonna, I'm gonna list them for you. I'm gonna list the things that have sort of been happening within the the psychological, ethereal, metaphysical construct that is me. One, I've been sort of coming to terms with a lot of my my sexual trauma, which I do have, and just a lot of other things as well. And ultimately, it's it, what what I can summarize it as is as a feeling of just sort of coming back to myself. And it's particularly potent because it's like coming back to myself in a lot of ways as I was when I was like eight, like when I was like a small child. Because as I heal from a lot of my trauma and I process a lot of it, it's kind of like, I kind of notice it's working from inside out, if that makes sense. What I mean is, like all the the shit that was sort of coiled up and tightly bound within me, has kind of just period, like very significantly loosened, and just flowed outward into like my skin and my like outer shell of self, and it's kind of flowing out gently into the world and transitioning into air and fire and other shit and poop and stuff and what's what the result of that on my part is that inside for the first time since I was like a very small child I feel like myself and I didn't realize how long of a period in my life I had gone without feeling like myself it was a very long time. It was over. It was well over a decade, and I didn't even realize it because that's what that's the power of trauma. Unfortunately, is that it can blind you to who you are so significantly that the only way to ever realize just how significant is to heal from the trauma. And the problem is, is that if you're currently traumatized. It's hard to see where that that line is, and you know I'm not sure there's there's even a line necessarily so much as just a a vague non-specific endpoint that you continuously chase, and the chase itself is more important than any actual destination. That's where I'm at. I'm very much in the middle of picking up steam on the chase. I suppose is how is a good way to put it. And, you know, my situation uh, practically has not changed. And that has a lot to do with why I'm doing so good. I have said it before on here, and I'll say it again, that I have sort of come to this situation where I have been getting better and better at accepting how little the things in my life mean to me. Like, my car got repossessed, 
and I am I've chosen not to do anything to get it back because I've decided I don't want a car because it makes me miserable to have a car because as I've said I've had an emotional breakdown where I don't like cars and yeah I don't I am not dealing with things like my mail or like any kind of bureaucratic paperwork bullshit because I just kind of don't want to makes me sad to and so I'm not going to and in this world of potential nukes and global warming and corporate excessive corporate greed which causes poverty I I I would like to focus on the things that genuinely matter to me and for me that means ignoring the following ignoring cars because cars are gross and evil ignoring any kind of paperwork because paperwork makes me miserable because I am a silly monkey creature and I do not enjoy attaching emotional value to superficial arbitrary bullshit like any kind of paperwork so I, I don't want to do paperwork anymore of any kind I have let go of the excessive drive to support myself financially because it now now that I just kind of have stopped giving a shit about my own money really I mean like and I'm not saying that the negative con- I'm absolved or free from the negative consequences of that choice I am still going to have to face those negative consequences but they just don't I, I just feel lighter. I feel lighter than I have, than I felt when I was really worrying about money. I feel freer. I feel more complete. I feel more grounded. And I'm not saying that fundamentally that makes money evil. I'm just saying that I, as a human being, think that, that it's not for me. And it feels, it doesn't feel like unique to me, if that makes sense. And I, and I can only back that statement up with the assumption that I genuinely don't know that in the grand scheme of the universe and cosmic dust and stars exploding and nukes and global warming and everything... That any one human being is that different than any other. You know, I'm pretty sure if an alien came down to Earth and was like, would look at every human being and be like, I mean, more similar than differences is what I feel the alien would say. And because of that, I kind of feel like ultimately maybe no one wants to deal with money at all. I kind of feel like everyone deep down just kind of wants to let it go and not deal with it or paperwork, or the government, or any of that bullshit that all kind of gets tied in with each other. And I've just been experimenting with it because I'm insane enough to actually try that kind of experiment. And I've been getting really just positive results so far. I mean, even if I end up homeless, which will do a lot of negative things for my situation, like really negative things... I can't deny the objective positives that I've gotten in the journey to that. And they're good enough that I really don't think I can go back to doing things the way I used to, where I cared about money and paperwork and all that shit. I don't think I could make myself do it anymore. 
it doesn't feel like it feels like I've healed a wound and I would rather die than reopen that wound but I kind of and it kind of seems like the way society is structured which is that if you it's either reopen that wound to some extent or risk death much more and for a long time that I think was the main reason why I I worked I think that's the main reason why anyone even though we all I think deep down hate money is why we we covet it so much is because we don't want to die and you know I think I've just kind of accepted that money at least for me that money makes me so miserable I would rather take death than have to deal with it anymore like at this stage and like if I had been born 500 years ago I wouldn't be saying this but I I was born to like in this century where nukes and global warming are a thing and the world might actually be about to be over and in the face of that I would really prefer to just live how I know deep down is the way I should be living as a person and just say fuck all to the consequences I because dear god what are the consequences really at this point like what I'm I'm gonna die well it's probably that was probably that was gonna happen one way or the other anyway you know if not by nukes or global warming just by old age or disease or a million other things so I might as well just fucking stop pretending like the bullshit society that we live in works for me because it doesn't and I think a lot of you out there the same in that it doesn't work for you either and I just want to say that if you ever decide to experiment with not doing any of the bullshit the government tells you you need to do to survive it's pretty great I mean I've been experiencing nothing but positive benefits so far I don't know if that'll be true forever but I mean just the fact that I can have this many this quickly kind of implies that the that there's objective value that should be looked at after in it. You know? Ugh. Anarchism, peaceful anarchism, you know? Because the point is to be happy, and I don't think anyone can actually be happy doing violence or having violence be done against them. Ugh. So that's where I'm at, you know? And I've been... I've been going a lot of I've been seeing a lot of like spirituality websites that talk about uh, a concept a lot of people refer to as spiritual awakenings and I used to very much be like a a science loving atheist and in a lot of ways I still am I still very much love science science is an objectively amazing tool and approach to the gathering of information and so as I as I try to look at my own experiences with the decisions I have made, those decisions being to not worry about the things the government tells you you need to worry about, like cars and money and filling out paperwork and rent and all the other bullshit, as I, as I find myself just accepting the consequences of not worrying about that stuff, I find I could, ch- I could, I could chart down in a scientific journal a series of very obvious and definite and real positive psychological and physical benefits one a a severely increased level of physical relaxation I can just relax physically so much easier than I could used to my body just feels squishy (laughs) it doesn't feel nearly as tense as it used to 
and I didn't even realize just how tense it was feeling all the time until I stopped worrying about working and all that bullshit. And then I realized, oh, wow, I feel relaxed for the first time in like a decade. This is great. <laughs> I don't want to give this up. And, you know, I also have been having, I've mentioned really deep, powerful dreams, which I didn't used to have. And dear God, it's so important to have powerful, deep dreams. If you're not having powerful, deep dreams, then I got to be real. I think maybe there's something genuinely unhealthy in your life. And that, which wouldn't be surprising because there's so many genuinely terribly unhealthy things in so many people's lives because that's the world we live in. <laughs> I have also been experiencing insomnia and a lot of varying fluctuating emotions. And ultimately, I think it's all, all been positive. Uh, I really feel that way. Because it's a lot of emotions I realize were always there, but I didn't quite realize. And that's why I've, I've been going to a lot of like spiritual awakening websites. Because whatever else you think of people who claim those experiences, there's a lot of uniformity and um, consistent psychological effects they describe online within the experience, not always, but within a lot of the time within the experience that a lot of people online forums will call spiritual awakening. And so regardless of your own take on spirituality, the obvious psychological and physical things that do happen consistently across those many different people that I've also myself been found to have been experiencing implies a level of reality fundamental to the human condition that everyone can achieve. And whatever your interpretation of that is within the context of any higher meaning, the process itself is undeniable. The process of elevation and emotional withsurgence and the, the, the act of having all your, your tangled up, twisted, gross, unhealthy emotions rise and unhealthy because they've, they've not been allowed to exp be expressed rise to the surface and be expressed in the crazy insane bullshit that you're supposed to allow be allowed to express them in because as a human being you need to allow your emotions no matter how insane they are to come out and that doesn't necessarily mean being ruled by them it doesn't mean that at all it just means allowing yourself you to handle them and process them and learn from them and grow from them and what I have realized about giving up my car and my worry about money and my rent and all that is because I didn't realize how much all that gets in the way of that natural process of emotional you know uh, utilization I didn't realize just how many emotions I was repressing and how many anxieties and expressions and energies I was repressing and not dealing with until I got rid of the things which I, I realized afterward were holding them back, which was the money and the car and all that. And so now I'm I'm not so even though I'm terrified that, you know, I might have to struggle for food or and the cold and all that other stuff, I genuinely don't mind it nearly as much as what was happening before 
because now I can I have the ability to process all that stuff. I have the ability to process being cold. I have the ability to accurately and honestly process hunger and all those other things. I have the emotional tools already available to do that. And that's the thing, you know, when when approaching the basic fundamental problems of hunger and food and society and shelter and all those other fundamental things, you know, as I said before, things we really only need love to love, food, water, place to stay. That's really it, you know, and to shit. That's really it. And those really aren't that complicated at the end of the day. But we live in a world where they're they're so needlessly complicated for some reason. And as I've kind of allowed myself to let go of the complication that the world has built around those things, I find myself so happy because I think all my, my animal fucking instincts and all the other shit, all my psychological brain shit, which was fundamentally designed for a different environment in which I currently reside, are truly realizing, hey, you're not meant to deal with any of that shit. As a, as a human animal, you are not meant to deal with any of that shit. And so to all the other human animals out there, maybe try not dealing with that shit, because it's been really great for me psychologically and emotionally. Maybe it'd be good for you too. I, I can't say it for sure, but... I mean, hey, the nukes and global warming are happening, so why not give it a shot? <laughs> I mean, do you really have that much to lose in the grand scheme of things? Ugh. Alright, well, that's all. That's going to be the end of that topic for today, because I didn't want to just talk about that. I'll let that section of the discussion sit on its own. Now I'm going to talk about... I mean, this because this kind of has something to do with all the awakening psychological transitioning stuff I've been going through I've been I think my brain I think my ego in the process of all this deep fundamentally powerful emotional blah 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 has desired a thing to fixate upon I think my ego has been drowning and panicking and struggling in the reality of its own superficiality and its own temporary existence which is a good thing because the ego isn't fucking real and needs to acknowledge that it is the ego cares about small things I realize ultimately and an unhealthy ego is an ego that thinks it cares about big things when it doesn't my brain, my ego in the face of all this deep transitioning emotional crises where it really has had no other option but to pick something it wants to do has chosen to play a metric shit ton of Dragon Age Origins which is one of my favorite video games of all time it's not a perfect video game it was made in 2009 so technologically as well as culturally and from a writing perspective it's dated but in a lot of ways it's still amazing and still holds up and I still love it for a lot of really good reasons even if it can be really cringe to my now 24-year-old brain. But I have, in the last two days, played a total of, like, 26 hours of Dragon Age Origins. In the last two days, in the last 48 hours, I have played, like, 
like 30 hours of Dragon Age Origins. And I slept for like 15 of those hours. In the last two days, I have done basically nothing except sleep, eat very quickly, and then play Dragon Age Origins. Literally today, I've been up for like 20 hours today because I got up. I play, I played Dragon Age Origins for like 12 hours. Went to, I didn't even go to sleep. I just laid down for like an hour because I had so much fucking emotion. Because again, the pro, uh, side effect of this emotional transition and freedom I've been experiencing is all my emotions are just hyper changing and reorganizing themselves and repairing a bunch of bullshit and cleaning out a bunch of gunk they've been wanting to clean out for a while. And my brain, since I can't sleep right now, has just been look and doesn't want to sleep right now. It's just been looking for an outlet, and it just decided on Dragon Age Origins, which makes sense because Dragon Age Origins is a very ego reaffirming game. It's a game that basically makes you the most powerful person in the universe, in, in the world in which you reside. Every choice you, that game takes choices matter to the extent that every choice you make will fundamentally decide the course of history, more or less. You decide what cultures survive or die. You decide the fate of the nations. You decide who you are and your backstory and your relationship to everyone else and what happens to them because of it. You very much are the most powerful person in that game in so many ways, and I think that's why my ego brain loves it. My ego brain loves that illusion of complete power because it's not real, and that's another that's a reason I think why it's fine that my ego has it. Because my ego and myself are very aware that it's not real. So my brain doesn't mind the pretending for a while. It's a very good game in a lot of ways. Here's the pros of Dragon Age Origins. It is the most choice-heavy game ever. There's literally like 15 different big variations on... Here's an example of a quest. In a quest, you have to save a child from being possessed by a demon. You can do an evil ritual, which saves the child, or you can go on a completely different main quest mission that is like 10 hours to resolve something that gets you something else that you need to come back and save the child in a way that isn't evil. And once you do that you have like four different variations of how to deal with that crisis and by that i mean you can basically you guys basically get to choose what character goes in and deals with the demon and it doesn't have to be yours it can be like four different others two of which are npcs and they they the game went through the effort of programming all those those NPCs with a bunch of different stats and inventory and abilities in line with the character progression of the main character. So that if you decided randomly to choose them on this optional path, you would be able to play as them for like 10 minutes, which is an insane level of detail. Who needs that level of detail in an RPG? The answer is no one, but my brain fucking adores it. My brain eats that shit up like candy-coated cocaine. It was insane. 
you know and that's that's why i can play like a ridiculous amount of that game because i there's so much many variations to how you can do things it's got some really good characters dragon age origins one of my favorites is a character called shale shale is a golem or a shale pronounces it a golem Gollum. Sorry, I'm trying to do Shale's voice, and I can't... Shale's voice is like... Gollum. 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 I can't do Shale's voice. Shale's voice is unique. It's very... Shale. If you know what I mean. But Shale's great. Shale is just... A really passive-aggressive golem. Shale is a character who... When you first meet them... Is... And I love that Shale is one of the... Shale's like a a golem of specifically, like, Shale, like, to my 14-year-old brain, I really like Shale as a character, because Shale's like, oh, I'm a golem. I don't necessarily have a gender, and that was a line they had in the the game, and I really appreciated that as a a 14-year-old. I was like, that's cool that they have a character of, like, questioning gender identity, you know, because Shale used to be a dwarf, because that's how golems are made in the Dragon Age universe, is that they are dwarves who are forged into golems. And Shale used to be um, a female dwarf, and Shale didn't know that, because Shale is so old that Shale has lost most of Shale's memory. And now, uh, she kind of, they preside, like, in, in their their companion mission is basically helping them figure out who they used to be. And once you do, Shell kind of realizes, has this huge crisis, like, oh yeah, I used to be a person. And then they go back to talking about hating pigeons, because they hate pigeons, because they were frozen for 30 years. And what do you think, uh, what do you, what do you think 30 years as a frozen sentient golem, golem were like? The answer is that it was a lot of getting shit on by birds. And that's like 60% of Shale's character, and it's great, and it works. <laughs> Shale just really likes pigeons, hates pigeons. Shale actively makes a serious attempt to kill birds at any given chance because they pooped all over Shale for 30 years. And it's like, you know what? You can't, you can't entirely blame Shale, you know? Shale, Shale was so ridiculously traumatized for 30 years i really don't blame them for hating birds as much as they do if you want shale to hate you you can give shale a gift that's called an uncrushable pigeon like toy and their approval rating goes down by like 90 percent. it's really quite funny (laughs) and i'm about to play dragon age 2 which i is just like from what I remember, is just Dragon Age Origins, but a lot less Eurocentric viewpoint, which I'm really excited for. <laughs> I'm really excited because I remember Dragon Age 2 is a lot more anarchist, and I'm very excited. You know, that's very much what Dragon Age needs to be, is not fascist. And I love Dragon Age Origins, but it can be a bit fascist at times. It was written by a bunch of D&D nerds, and D&D has a history of being a bit fascist. More than a little bit fascist, and... Dragon Age Origins, as much as I love it, can be a bit fucking fascist sometimes. Other times, not. It really depends on what situation you're talking about. It's like you'll have a line... Like, one moment you'll have a line from one character who used to be a spy that's like, Hey, hey, you could be king. You know, fools get elected every day as kings, and you are no fool. You know, and so they have lines like that, which are not too fascist at all. And then you have other lines, which are like, 
there's a solid amount. I mean, there's there's a lot of like glorification of nobility in that game. Like like essentially, this is very much the the land of Ferelden within Dragon Age is very reminiscent of I'd say like English, like Europe. It's very European in a lot of ways. But like you know, and so so it's it gives me a lot of England vibes in a lot of ways, and so it comes across as a lot of. Oi, look at us. We're a bunch of English fucking medieval wankers. We're a bit fucking fascist, we are. And I'm sorry to any of my... I don't have any viewers from England, and maybe that shouldn't surprise me. I've made fun of them pretty harshly several times. And if anybody out there is English and listening, I just want to say... I really am not sure I said anything actually bad. Like, no offense. Like, oh, look, let's be clear. You're all human beings, and I'm an American, so whatever insult I throw your way is just worse for me. But at the same time, that's why I make fun of you, because you get it. You get what it is to grow up in a fascist country. As an American, I can say that to you Englanders. You know? Ugh. But... Yeah, play Dragon Age Origins, or don't if you find it weird or sexist or fascist or a little bit racist, because it can be all of those things. It's only racist in the fantasy way, but in a lot of ways, sometimes that's kind of worse. Anyway, it's really, it's it's weird. Sometimes it's really anarchist and cool, and it'll have awesome ideas about, like, gender identity and and, accurate, and cool, non-traditional portrayals of history, and then other times it'll be so fucking weird. And that's why I'm excited for 2, because I think 2, they got over a lot of their bullshit. I think 2, they were like, hey, we're going to write a story about a character who is poor and becomes the most important person, not in the world, but in just in their city, through their own actions over the course of many years. Which is a lot, it's a lot more grounded of a story, you know? Dragon Age 2, all your companions are some sort of bisexual or pan... They, they, every, you can romance. I loved that in Dragon Age 2, every single one of your companions, with the exception of a DLC companion, because he's pretty fascist, can be romanced by, by either the femme-presenting hawk or the male-presenting or the mask-presenting hawk. It's pretty great. And that's why I'm excited for it. I'm going to finish up my current playthrough of Origins. I'm probably going to go play Origins for another 10 hours until I collapse from exhaustion. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, but yes, play. I'm excited for Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which is the new Dragon Age. I'm really worried about it because it is going to take place in a country called Tevinter, which is a slave country where slavery is legal and very popular. <laughs> And so I'm very much worried about the developers of the RPG choice-heavy game allowing the player to support slavery within the context of the fantasy world at some point. I really don't think they should do that. Like, I was, I'm, that's what, like, everyone, so many Dragon Age fans were so excited because we were finally going to Deventer, and I'm like, I don't want to go to Deventer. Deventer sounds horrible. Deventer sounds like the worst. Okay, if I'm going to Deventer, just just do not allow the my character at any point to support slavery. Just just don't. I don't want any Dragon Age player to get it because the in, in their head that they should support slavery. 
that the, that was a mistake the first game made one time where if you do the really evil option you can let a bunch of slavers take away their elf slaves to go sell into slavery it's really quite fucked up it actually takes it one step further and lets you sacrifice them in a blood ritual to get power it's a really you can also obviously do all the good choices you can free the slaves and kill the slave masters and you know or like free the slaves and just send the slave masters packing back home you can and you can you have variation in the level of good or evil you want to be it's just the variation is so extreme like it the the range is kill all the slavers stop them from enslaving poor elf people to sacrifice those poor elf people in a blood ritual to get you power and also get money that's the range of like moral choice the game offers you and i'm not sure i need that that extreme on the evil side i'm not sure players should be allowed to go that heavy that seems a bit much you know um so don't don't support don't don't make a video game that's that lets players say yes to slavery just don't let's like if you're gonna place it in a slave state make it very actively clear that slavery is evil at every given opportunity i just really hope they do i would very much like the next dragon age to be amazing i don't want it to support slavery it's ea so who knows you know they're, they're definitely fine with wage slavery if nothing else so who knows what they'll allow in their video games all right everyone takeaways from this podcast episode slavery bad don't don't present it positively in media especially in video choice heavy video games experiment with the letting go of societal based norms and financial institutions and all that stuff because at least from my perspective it provides tremendous psychological and emotional benefit and just remember to try and be happy and love yourself and each other and everyone because we might all not be around for too much longer as a species and i would just like it if even if we did all die maybe we could go out swinging for the fences in a good way as in you know just like i would like it if we were all just just like if the last thing humanity ever did before it died was achieve world peace hey we did die but at least we got that out of the way right like if humanity is gonna die then can we at least all agree to do our absolute fucking best beforehand if for no other reason then why not all right again please uh spread my podcast around uh you can follow me on twitter at a dreaming mind I don't know how much longer I'll be on Twitter. I don't know if Elon Musk is going to try and incorporate himself into Twitter and become like some hive mind thing. If that happens, I'll probably like move to TikTok or something somehow. But if until then, if you want to follow me on Twitter or give me a like or share this with anybody for any reason, I would be really grateful. Until then... You all have a good day, night, wherever you are. If you are a sentient AI listening to this, sorry we brought you in uh, into this clusterfuck. 
Not sorry we brought you in, just sorry it's a clusterfuck. Uh, to any aliens who might be listening, you d- don't approach us for a while for your own sake. You, d- d- we, you, I, I'm not, I don't want the aliens to get nuked, which is what humanity's first reaction would probably be if they came to us. All right, everyone. Have a nice day. Love yourself. As one human being to another, I love you. If you're not a human being, I love you anyway, because atoms and why not. But have a good night. Sleep tight. Share the podcast. Possibly. See you later.